0: Good morning. morning. Today's scripture is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Please read with me.
1: Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Thank you. So today is a blessed day. Tw- Why twice? Well, first of all, we had the children's our church singing. But today we have a special visitors. And today you will understand how small the world is. The, fa- uh, the visitors, they're coming from the South Dakota church. And they all are from Philippines. But guess what? We have a Philippine family here. And some of the members that visited today, they're also gathered in the same church with our family here back in Philippines. Is it that small word that <laughs> they get together here? So let's welcome and God bless them and let's enjoy the song. Welcome. Let me organize this a little bit. <laughs> How many of you you feel like heaven just a few minutes ago? Amen. <laughs> it's a beautiful, always when I hear these voices touch my heart. And it's a beautiful the. Some um, people may not be, i um, sad that some people may not be here today, but we're praying. Uh, let me give you some updates on Lucas. I got a text from pastor this morning, and he says, uh, uh, an update on Lucas. This last week, Lucas gave us a scare. On Wednesday, he had very low blood pressure and ended up in the ICU, Friday morning, he had problems knowing how to answer simple questions and how to write. This morning, we have a Sabbath answer to prayer. He's doing well mentally and physically. Praise God. He will start the treatment again when there are enough nurses to watch him carefully. Thank you for your support on Lucas and our family. Pastor will be in the office this week, Wednesday afternoon and Thursday morning for regular office hours. Isn't that amazing how God answered prayers? But also we do have another, uh, let's say bad news too, uh, Greg Heitzig, he is got sick this morning. So he might be at the hospital by now with Anita. So we're gonna have a small prayer so that God can help us. So let's bow our head for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for the blessing, first for being here to worship you and praise you. We ask you, Father, that this morning you be especially with Lucas. You know, for us as humans, it's hard to see our son suffering. It's hard to see one of our family members suffering for any disease, Father. And we want to heal. We wanted to be well, Father, that's why we come to you. So that you help us, that you hear our prayer, and you hear Lucas, lift him up, Father, so that he can also be a good testimony for other children of his age, so that you can be with them, Father. Bless his family, bless pastors, through a medicine. They are not alone, all of us are praying for them every day. But also, Father, this morning we had news about Greg. Be with him, Father. Be with his heart, but also with Anita. They both are members of our church. Give them hope, but also the assurance, Father, that you are not, they are not alone, and that you are with them, Father. And today, as we open your word, let your Holy Spirit lead us, guide us, and teach us what you want to teach us, Father. We ask you this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So today, uh, Doug Cross was supposed to be preaching this morning, but he got sick, so I was asked to cover for him. I hope that today we have a special blessing on this word. Sermon for today is a feed my sheep. Sometimes we are asked, can you help on this? Can you do that? Can I assign you these responsibilities? And many times we say, no, I don't want it. I don't think I'm capable of it. I've done this in the past and I failed. So I don't want to do it again. I remember a long time ago in my conference, we were voting for the new officers. And when the secretary was presented, the pastor was playing a joke on her she says, you know, a secretary, we did such a terrible job last month, last year, that we are hoping to have them another year so maybe she can fix them or get better. <laughs> and she, we all started laughing because it sounds kind of funny that she was nominated again because she did such a terrible work. But it happens sometimes. And when you are asked to do something, you wonder why today is gonna be different? Why today am I, I am not gonna fail? Why today am I going to do it right? Why is all of this? And this is something that I want you to stay with me today because we are going to study about one special character of the Bible. When he was called, he did everything wrong. But then when he was transformed, everything changed. So let's get to know a little bit about Peter the man. And let's read up a little bit about him. For example, let's read about him of Matthew 16, 23. What did Peter do? Well, he tried to stop Jesus from going to Jerusalem and suffer many things. And we read there that, but he turned and said to Peter, oh, who is he? It's Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God. By the things of men, Jesus has been talking to his disciples. And he says, "I'm going to go to Jerusalem and suffer." And Peter, to Jesus, says, "I" and tell him, "Master, don't go." Jesus understood what's happening. Peter didn't. So Jesus rebuked Peter. What happened is Peter convinced Jesus, "We're doomed. We have no choice. We have no hope." But he was stopped by Jesus. What else did Peter do? Well, he was asked to pray for Jesus in the special hour when Jesus was going to be crucified. And what happened? He fell asleep. Not once. Three times. So Matthew 26, 45 says, Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. What else did Peter do? Well, he tried to kill a man, pretending to save Jesus. It's the hour when Jesus is going to be taken prisoner. And out of the sudden, who knows how, Peter had a sword with him. And he saw this man that was coming to get Jesus. And what did he do? He got his sword. And you, do you think that Peter wanted just to cut his ear? I don't think so. I think that he was aiming for something different. And the guy just dodged him a little bit that he only got his ear. What did Jesus do? He rebuked him. Then Simon Peter having a sword and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. What else did he do? Jesus was crucified. He appeared once the second time. And instead of wondering what happened with Jesus, he just went out fishing. John 21, 3 says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. I don't know if you ever noticed, but every time you read in the Bible about Jesus' disciples going out fishing by their own without Jesus, they never catch anything. They had to have Jesus to catch something. Now, let me ask you something. Will you vote for Peter to be the elder of the church? <laughs> Why not? He's a good man. He loves Jesus. Don't you think he loves? Would you recommend Peter? Why nobody is raising hand? <laughs> But what happened? Here, what we see is Peter, the man. And he does not understand the nature of his calling. Even though Jesus called him to be his disciple, he does not understand yet what to be a disciple means. So he is struggling with his character. He's trying to do everything on his own nature. The, The thing that he has learned to do, he wants to do it at church. He wants to do it as being with Jesus. But he has to change. But he doesn't know it yet. So he's looking at everything from his own perspective. And if you ask Peter, he will say, you know what? I'm doing my best. Why? Because let's talk about the first thing. See, he tried to stop Jesus from going into Jerusalem. If you have somebody or you know somebody that you love, and then all of a sudden say, you know what? I'm going to go to Chicago. And that neighborhood is very complicated, and, and it's, it's very dangerous, and maybe it's going to be beat up. I don't know if I'm going to come back, but I'll talk to you later. What would you do? Oh, don't go. Stop. I love you. I don't want you to suffer anything. Is that bad or wrong? It's good. He is trying to protect his master. What about falling asleep? Well, if you ask Peter, why Peter did you fall asleep? Well, you know, it's hard to catch up with Jesus. He's all the time with full of energy, running up and down and doing this. And I'm a fisherman. I'm working. I work a lot. And then I'm coping I'm with him. And then at night, he asks me to pray. So, okay, I pray half an hour and I fall asleep. And he woke me up again. And then I pray another half an hour again. And he come and woke me up again. And then another half an hour. And he keep waking me up. That might be some of us, right? But he did not understand what was going to happen the next day, because if he knew, he would stay with Jesus all night praying. But he didn't understand it. But he was doing his best. Now, what happened when he tried to kill a man pretending to save Jesus? Well, he heard what was going to happen. He somehow, even though the Bible doesn't give us many reference, but somehow, he knew. That the elders of the church were planning something against Jesus. So maybe he, was, that's, he had that sword hidden. In case something happened, I'm going to defend my master. I don't want anything bad happen to him. And when that moment came, he did it. Of course, he shouldn't. But he did it. He wanted to protect his master. Now, what happened after Jesus was crucified and resurrected? twice Jesus has appeared and he has seen him. But nothing has happened. So I believe that in the head of Peter it's like, hey, I don't know exactly what Jesus wants from me. I've seen it twice already but he hasn't said anything. What am I supposed to do? And I have to feed my wife and my mother-in-law. So I'm going to go out fishing and not only me, I'm going to bring my body, so he got four more. He got John, he got uh, uh, James and he also got uh, Nathaniel. And they all went out fishing. So now if you see from the perspective of Peter, it looks different, right? (laughs) Because he was trying to do the best. But there is something, that Peter sometimes forgets and sometimes we forget. There are promises of God that if we keep those promises in our heart, our life is going to be different. And this is something that happened with Peter. And we might ask, why Peter? Wasn't Peter one of the disciples? Why did the Bible try to cover it up a little bit and didn't put Peter that, hate the bad man, you know, oh, Peter did this, oh, shame on you, Peter. Why did the Bible do that? Instead, it's he, exposing everything that Peter did. He's not doing like kind of a like, uh, tons of chase, no, black and white. This, what Peter did, is wrong. But you know why the Bible doesn't do that? Because the Bible wants you to know that God knows us. He knows our heart. And we cannot deceive him. He cannot be deceived by us. And he writes that in the, same, in the way it is because he wants to give you hope in the same way. And one of those hopes is in the promise that we can read on Isaiah's. 41, 9, and 10. This is one of my favorite texts. Why? Because it's God talking to his people, and it says, You, you, whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from his farthest regions and said to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you, and I have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will help you with my righteous right hand. In other words, if you feel that you cannot do something, pray God. Ask God, how am I supposed to do this? Help me. I don't know. He will give you the answer. He will talk to your heart. They will lead you step by step until you can do everything he called you for. So God is telling you through the Bible that he loves us and he will do everything. Peter got a promise similar to that. And that's a very interesting promise. Jesus had just had communion with them. And they are talking, there is conversation that Jesus says, okay, I'm going to soon going to die. And this is some of the things going to happen. And some of the disciples start arguing who's going to be the eldest or who's going to be now the master. On this conversation, though, Peter doesn't get into that fight, but others do. And then Jesus comes to Peter and I believe that on this text, in my mind, I pictured something like this: Jesus comes to Peter, and put his hand on his shoulder, and he's looking at Peter face to face. And when he's looking at Peter face to face, Jesus says, "Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he must sift you as wheat." What? Maybe Peter doesn't think about that moment. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he might save you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Wow. Jesus praying for Peter that moment. A very specific moment, he's telling him, I am praying for you. And when you have returned to me, I threatened your brethren. If I were Peter, and Jesus told me something like this, oh, I would start shaking, tremors. I would go sleepless night every day because Satan is coming after me. And what is he going to bring? I don't know. But sometimes, my brother, and we are like Peter, we are told things and we do not understand. Is it true that you, when you were a child, your, your parents told you, hey, don't do this. Don't do that. And what would we do? What did we do? Drive what they told us not to. What the consequences, consequences were? You knew it. And it's the same thing happening with Peter here. He got the promise, but he has no idea what's going on. Because he Peter is looking from a the man's perspective. I am looking at this as a man. I'm not looking at this as a spiritual guy. Or from that period. He is still struggling with all of this. So the restoration comes. And It is interesting how the Bible sometimes gives us some clues that will encourage encourage each of us to wait on the Lord. On resurrection morning, we know that the disciples somehow are hidden somewhere. And they knew that uh, Jesus is at the tomb. Some women come to anoint the Jesus body, And when they come to the tomb, they find the tomb open. And there's one guy sitting right next on the tomb with a happy face. And they are worried, what is the body of my master? And they start a little conversation. And after that conversation, the angel said something interesting. And pay attention. But go... Tell his disciple. It's the angel talking to the women. Go tell his disciple, and Peter. Huh? Who else? Tell the disciples and Peter. Why is the angel making reference to Peter? That he is going before you into Galilee and there you will see him as he said to you. It is interesting, my brothers, that What we see here, that in spite of everything we have done, in heaven, they are thinking about each of us. And God knows that the heart of Peter is not right. If we backtrack the steps that Peter did, sometime when the night Jesus called them to pray, And Peter fell asleep three times. That day happened, Thursday. Sometime in the day, Jesus performed communion. He told Peter, you're going to be sifted as a wheat by Satan. And still, the the heart of Peter is trying to understand everything. At night, Jesus is taken prisoner. And uh, Peter tried to kill somebody. And then during that night, Jesus taken prisoner, but Peter and Jonah are following Jesus from a distance. And Jesus had told Peter that he's going to deny him three times before the rooster crowd. It seems that Peter doesn't understand that yet. And then somebody say, hey, you look like one of them. He said, no, 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 I'm not one of them. And he keep it moving because Jesus is be taking back to the, uh, to see, uh, to the uh, herald and taking back to the elders and, and it's going back and forth and Peter is following. And then the second time somebody comes and says, Hey, you look like one of them. He said, No, nope, that's not me. And even on the third time, it even gets worse. Why? Because on the gospel it tells that. He did not even do something. He began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. You can find that on Mark 14 71. And I believe that at that moment, he heard the rooster cry. And he remembered what Jesus told him. He looked now for Jesus. And from the distance, Jesus is looking at him. How would you feel if you get caught doing something by the people you love? Somebody told you, you're the person that loves you, the most says, don't do this. And at the moment that you do, and you turn around, and the person that you love is looking at you. Wow. That went in the heart of Peter. So he ran. Weeping, bitters, weeping. The next thing he knows, Jesus has been crucified. What happens when you have an argument with somebody and before you can go ahead and make reconciliation, that person passes? It's hard. Because there's no way that you can bring them to life and tell them, you know, I'm sorry. I apologize for whatever deed. He can't. So from Wednesday, the heart of Peter is like, boom, boom. It's not that easy. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then on Sunday morning, he get the news. Why he got the news? Because that angel told was to, told the women, go and tell your disciples. And Peter. And the Bible said that Peter is the one who runs faster to the tomb. So Jesus, God did this because he knew the heart of Peter. He knew that he was struggling, he was suffering. So he wanted to give him a message that heaven is still thinking on Peter. But also, let's count. He denied Jesus three times. Three times Jesus appeared to his disciples. And it's on the third time that Jesus talked to him. But when Jesus talked to him, he tested him three times. Let's read about that in John 21, 15, 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my chips. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, "Feed my sheep." How that happened? That night they went, they went out fishing, they got nothing. Almost at sunrise, they saw a man by the church. And this man yelled at them and said, hey, do you have any meat? And the disciples looked at them and said, mm-mm. So the man told them, throw the net to the right. And they did it. I don't know why, but they just followed him. And as soon as they saw it, the net was filled with 153 fishes. That's what the Bible said. And it's at that moment when John recognized who that man was, and he goes to say, hey, Peter, that's the Lord. And Peter, because he was maybe just using the uh, on the words of that time, he wasn't wearing his tunic. He plunged himself into the sea and hides from the master. So they managed to bring the boat to shore, get the fish. And when they get there, they see a man with a fire. and He's cooking a fish. and has some bread. So he invites them to bring the fish and eat. They know that it's Jesus, but everyone is afraid to ask him, who are you? I believe, I don't know if you've been in that situation when you are not in a, good, say, in a good way with somebody and then you are dining together and then you have a face-to-face. How do I start the conversation? How do I tell them, forgive me? How do I tell them I'm wrong? You, you are there like, I'm gonna wait until everybody leaves so I can talk to him. <laughs> or I'm gonna call him, hey, can I talk to you? And take him apart and talk to him. And Peter is there just looking at Jesus. And then Jesus takes the first move. And it's interesting how that happened because this is a constant in heaven. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? Did God come by the tree of life and put a chair and say, okay, I'm going to wait and see if that Adam and Eve come and ask me forgiveness. No, he went out looking for them. In the same way, when Peter, despite everything he did, God sent an angel to give him a message that Jesus is back to life. And now, Jesus is restoring Peter. But in the way that he does it, it's kind of interesting. Why? First of all, because he addresses Peter as Simon, son of Jonah. Why do he call him Simon, son of Jonah? Well, because if you read, uh, it's in Matthew 10, 2 to 4. When you read the list of the apostles or the disciples, there are two Simons. Simon, the one named Peter, and Simon, the Canaanite. So it seems that Jesus wanted to make it clear that he's addressing Peter, the one that he changed his name, but he doesn't call him like Peter because Jesus named him Peter. He called him Simon, son of Jonah. Somehow he's telling him, Peter, I'm calling you by your man name, your previous name, because I want you to understand this, what you were. And then he asked him the same question. he says three times, do you love me? Why is that important? Well, Ellen White says, the question that Christ had put to Peter was significant. He mentioned only one condition of discipleship and service. is thou me, he said, this is the essential qualification. Though Peter might possess every other, yet without the love of Christ, he could not be a faithful shepherd over the Lord's flock. Knowledge, benevolence, eloquence, gratitude, and zeal are all aids in the good work. But without the love of Jesus, in the heart, the work of the Christian minister is a failure. So, in other words, Jesus went into the deepest part of Peter. Do you love me? When you are called to service, what is your motivation? Oh, I'm going to do this because I'm going to show people how things are done. I'm going to show people that I am good at this. I, they can see now that everything I've been talking about, that's the way it is. No. That's the wrong side or the wrong pathway. You have to do it because you love God and that you love the people you're going to serve. That's the point. And this is what God is telling Peter. Do you love me? But not once, three times. Now, of uh, this conversation, there are two types of love. The first time, when Jesus asked Jesus, uh, Peter, "Do you love me?" He uses the Greek word, and, and there is the beautiful of the Greek language that are even the word that sound, they might reference to the same thing, but it has a different root. And the first that Jesus used is agapao, or agape. And that is kind of unconditional love. So in the first question, Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, do you agapao me? Do you love me unconditional? And what is Peter's answer? I love you. I phileo you, which is a filial love, or means like a brother. I love you like a brother. And this conversation goes, so there are two different types of love. One is unconditional. It is like the the love that God has for all of us. He loves us regardless if we love him back or not. And the brotherly love is when we love each other. And Jesus also gives us two examples. For example, in Matthew 5, 43 and 44, he says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what he's telling the people think about it. But he says, I tell you now, but I say to you, love your enemies. So Jesus is saying, agapow your neighbor and hate your enemy. Like unconditionally love your neighbor. But no, Jesus is telling you, agapow your enemies. But why your enemies? Because they will never love us back. But we need to love them. That's the different kind of love. And the other word, Ephileo, we can read on it on Matthew 10, 37. It says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, He who phileo father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who phileo son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, Jesus is saying, okay, if you love your parents or your children more than me, then you're not worthy of me. So there are two different kind of loves that we see in this conversation. Now, The first time, when Jesus asked the question and Peter replied back and says, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, feed my lambs. At the end end of the second question, he says, tend my sheep. And at the end of the third question, he says, feed my sheep. What is the difference? Well, let's talk about, first of all, lambs and sheep. A lamb... When we read that on the New Testament, it's always a symbol of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And only John referred to Jesus like that in the book of John and Revelation. But also, when we see that in the Old Testament, it's talking about a sheep which is 12 months younger. So in other words, when he says, feed my lambs, he's talking about a word, he says, bosco, or pasture pasture my lambs or pasture my younger generation or pasture the new believers because they're new in the faith so somehow he's trying to tell them feed them feed them but how do we feed a person well there's another thing that god didn't let us without clue when jesus was tempted by satan and satan asked him to turn the stones and bread on luke 4 4 Jesus answered him and saying, It is written, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So we can feed them with the word of God. You see those beautiful teenagers and children here singing? We can teach them in such a way that they understand. We don't have to talk to them about prophecy and you know it's a 144,000. No, no. Teach them like a children. How they can understand things. And we have classes for that at Sabbath school. We have a school. We have a program for them. But we also do the same thing with non-believers. We're not going to talk to them about prophecy or they're going to run. We just talk to them about how Jesus loved them, why Jesus sacrificed for them, even though they don't want any communion with Jesus. And that's how the step by step, they came to know Jesus. So, feed my lambs, the new generation, the new believers. And then he says, Ten my sheep, or few my sheep. Now, for ten, he's using another word. And this is Pormaino, uh, and it's like a ten as a shepherd, or figuratively supervisor. And we find something similar there in uh, Matthew 2 6. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people of Israel. Another version says, shall shepherd my people of Israel. So in other words, when talked about 10 is to be the shepherd for these people. To be a pastor for them. To help them to have a better life. To help them to understand that not everything is on this earth. We are hoping for a better earth. New heavens and new earth. And who are the ships? Well, this is the people of God. All of us are ships. We all are ships of God. Now, <clears throat> some might have this kind of feeling too. When somebody, or some assert that if a soul stumbles and falls he can never regain his position but the case before us contradicts this. Before his denial Christ said to Peter when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren in committing to to his stewardship the soul for whom he had given his life Christ gave to Peter the strongest evidence of his confidence in his restoration. And he was commissioned to feed not only the sheep, but the lambs, a brother and more delicate work than has hitherto been appointed him. Not only was he told forth the word of life to others, but he was to be a shepherd of the flock. See, we must say, I'm not going to vote for Peter because I don't think he has any hope. I don't think he's going to be a good leader. But Jesus thought different. Not only restored him, but now put him into a position that he's going to be shepherd of all the lambs and sheep that Jesus brought. It's like, okay, I made all of this. Now it's for you to take care of it. Wow. It's a huge responsibility, isn't it? But God trusted Peter now. Why did he trust the Peter? Well, the scripture continues. And on, on John 21, 18 to 19, Most assuredly I said to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands another, and another will gird you and carry you or you do not which this he spoke, signifying about what death he will glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, "Follow me." So, to, who is the Bible talking about? Him, Peter. Do you think Peter followed Jesus after that? Sure, he did. Now Peter understood what it means to failer to do things on his own way instead of doing the things in God's way. So he's now restored, but now that he has been restored, what is he doing? What is Peter? Well, he visited uh, on his first sermon, baptized 3,000 people. Wow. (laughs) What a change, isn't it? And you didn't want to vote for him. Acts 2.14, it says, But Peter, standing up with the leaven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and hear my words. Imagine Peter now telling people, hear my words, when at the beginning he didn't want to hear Jesus' words. But now he got changed. Because by experience, by example, he knows how important it is To heed the word of God. What else did Peter do? Well, he visited Cornelius. And while he was visiting Cornelius, the Holy Spirit was poured. Acts 10.44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. How do we understand this? If you read about Peter, Peter, if you talk about Jewish people, Peter was the most Jewish. (laughs) He was two, three scales up. That means that for him, the Jewish tradition was very important. Everything he do is supposed to be like Jewish. So for him to go into a Roman house, it was sin. So Jesus has to give him a vision and then has to tell him, there are two people coming up, looking for you go with them and Peter went and he saw the house he was going into it was a Roman house he wasn't allowed to go in there because of the Jewish tradition but he went there anyway and when he started talking about Jesus the people received the Holy Spirit and he was amazed and what happened after that the whole family that had gathered there they were baptized wow what a change Somebody that fall asleep, now it's making this thing happen. But also, and the third time, he spoke at the Jerusalem council on behalf of Barnabas and Paul. Acts 15, 7-11. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. What is Peter testifying here? There is a council meeting, and at this meeting they are discussing if the new Gentile has to be circumcised. And There is a huge discussion, and everybody is fighting and fighting until Peter stands up and starts talking. And when he starts talking, everybody is keeping silent. And hear to Peter. Why do they now hear to Peter? So he has that authority that God gave him. And when he speaks, he says, I, the Jewish among the Jewish, I witnessed this. I saw the Holy Spirit coming on these Roman people. So now, when he has prepared the heart of everyone, now they are ready to hear the Barnabas and Paul. And they they made a boat on that day. Wow, what a change. I don't think you expected anything like this, right? (laughs) So now, Peter was now humble enough to understand the words of Christ. And without further questioning, the once restless, boastful, self-confident disciple became so and contrite. He followed his Lord, indeed the Lord he had denied. The thought that Christ had not denied and rejected him was To Peter, a light and comfort and blessing. He felt that he could be crucified from choice, but it must be with his head downward. And he who was so close a partaker of Christ's sufferings will also be a partaker of his glory. And when he shall sit upon the throne of his glory, amen. Let me ask you a question. Has Jesus denied you I don't think so. I don't think that he ever denied any one of us. And he's calling all of us to service one way or another. We're going to have a vote next week. And if you have been contacted by the contaminated committee and they ask you, can you help us on this? Don't say no. Be like Peter. Let that Peter live in you and you now hear the voice of the Lord. And work for the loved ones. For everyone. We need a lot of hands. But also, he can transform you in the same way that he transformed Peter. Do you also want to be a partaker of Jesus' glory? Yes. I believe so. So work for him. Love him. But also love the lambs and love the chips. Would you like to stand for a prayer? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing that you have given us through your Bible. If we were having human thoughts and human reasoning, We would not allow Peter to be in this church today, Father. But because of the testimony of your word, we can see how a rude man with a lot of qualities, he got converted and he became one of your strongest followers. Help us, Father, that we as Peters, even if we failed before, if we failed you before, if we denied you before, now, we follow you. And when we are called for service, we don't say no. On the contrary, we say, yes, here I am. Send me. So that we all, Father, can reach out all the people that needed to be reached out before you come. And so that they also can be saved. And for every family that was here today, bless us. For those who were not able to be here today, bless us. Provide the healing that you, they need, Father. And also, take us under your arm when we go back to our home. We ask you this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless. And we're going to sing Hymn 367.